Welcome to the Holistic Wellness and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kimberly Ann Marston. On today's show, we're going to be talking all about navigating life as an empath. And the first thing we'll be talking about is what does life like an empath look like, feel like? And you'll you need to ask yourself a couple questions. Do you feel what the people around you are experiencing? Do you get drained by talking to certain people? My guest today gives us a very candid and open look from her personal experiences and her professional experiences at what life like an empath is like. And in addition to that, she provides us some great tools that we can use so that we can prevent overwhelm and energy depletion. So join us. Here we go. Hello, hello. Welcome to today's show. I have with me Hillary Bilkus, a gifted healer and intuit. Thank you, Hillary, for joining me today. I'm so happy to be here, Kim. Thank you for inviting me. You are very welcome. So I know there's a lot of different things you want to talk about today, but I thought what we would do is just start with sort of a little bit about how you've gotten to be the healer that you are today, meaning that I know you started off doing some massage therapy and then you have gone and transformed your healing practice with so many other different types of energy medicine and other things that you've learned along the way. So can you just give us a little bit of a taste of how that has evolved over time? Sure, absolutely. So um, as in any uh, licensed professional, you need to take continuing education classes to keep your license. And I took a class called Introduction to Cranial Sacral Therapy. And in that class, um, when everybody was struggling to feel what the teacher was talking about, I felt it all in my hands. I felt like the universe literally opened up in my hands and God was saying to me, this is what you're meant to do. Um, every subsequent class I took, I learned the names for things that I was already doing intuitively. Um, and then I also had some really profound experiences myself receiving the work from other practitioners. I had my first somato emotional release. And what that means is I had trauma, tension, uh, stress, tension, injury stored in my body. Uh, from an accident that I had roller skating as a child where I fell on my backside and I may have broke or sprained my coccyx, my tailbone. And here I am in this class with a bunch of strangers on the table, feeling like a seven-year-old and crying from the pain that was resurfacing in my body. And so that opened up a whole new world to me about, oh my goodness, we hold memory in our body. We hold trauma in our body. And so I, you know, kept taking classes and exploring the curriculum. And then I was introduced to visceral mobilization, which is working with the organs because everything in our body is supposed to move um, physically and energetically. And if either one of those ways are not moving, it can cause symptomology in the body. And so I went into this class having neck and shoulder 
pain <clears throat> for a few months. I tried everything, like all of the modalities that I had used before, massage, acupuncture, chiropractic, cranial sacral therapy, and nothing was helping. So we were in the class, we were doing a lab, we mobilized the stomach. I sat back in the chair and within a few minutes, all that stress and tension and pain that I'd been carrying for months literally melted away and I was blown away. And like, that was the next, um, I don't want to call it a rabbit hole, but like literally the next rabbit hole I went down was into visceral work because our body's main priority is to protect our vital organs. And if our inner wisdom, our inner physician notes something like, oh, well, like something's wrong with the stomach. It's, it's adhered to like the inside of the rib cage or whatever. It will stop our um, extremities from moving, right? And so because my body was trying to protect my stomach, I had limited range of motion in my neck and shoulder. Um, I had another friend who was having trouble with her, her hip and PT wasn't doing anything. Um, she did not want to come to see me as a practitioner and, you know, that's okay. Uh, the next time I heard from her, she was in the hospital recovering from an appendectomy. And that's when she said, you know, you were right. I can move my hip now. I can have full range of motion. It was my appendix. So like stories like that just blow me away. Um, so that's like the, like the technical part of it. And then just energetically, I think I've always been energetically sensitive. Um, I'm pretty sure I had, I shut it down or had it shut down when I was younger. Um, and in my twenties, I discovered I was an empath. I didn't really know what that meant. Um, more recently I discovered I'm an HSP, which is a thing, a highly sensitive person. It's, there's actually a genetic marker for it and we feel things so much more exquisitely. Um, so I think between the two, it's opened up this world for me um, where I'm just, I'm very much about um, how things feel. And I have a, a deep sense of knowing about things and I receive and process information differently. And it's like a whole different lens. Um, it's a whole different lens of like how I view the world. And I thought everybody was like that, but I learned turns out they're not. <laughs> this is true. I mean, all yeah. of us obviously have our own intuitive gifts, but like you're saying, it varies on the amount, but also as you pointed out, yours were shut down or blocked or, you know, which is what happens to, to most people, you know, it, it it's not something that is often embraced in children. Parents a lot of times don't understand. And if they do understand, they're maybe not sure what to do. But even if you do understand, I'm sure that, you know, I don't know if you want to share, but I'm sure that it's it's hard for people, first of all, to, to keep in touch with those gifts. But then the next thing is, if you have those types of gifts where you are so sensitive to taking in things and you're feeling things for others, it's important to learn how not to get overwhelmed by that. Absolutely. And what's so interesting is that I find the people that come to my practice are um, empaths, intuitives, highly sensitives, 
that have no idea what that means. They they just don't even know and they get completely overwhelmed. They take things on from other people, don't realize they're holding on to things from other people. And then it literally starts causing chaos in their bodies. So the work that I do, I can help them tune into that and figure out what's theirs and what's not. And sometimes we need to talk about things and sometimes the energy will just, will just release. Um, you know, and I mentioned uh, trauma before. So if we take on anything from somebody else where we're dealing with something similarly in our own lives, it's like, taking the volume knob and turning it up all the way. And so it feels like ours. It's vibrating on the same frequency as ours, but most of that actually might belong to someone else. And so I can help people start to differentiate that and help them dissipate that energy. And I've also given people tools that they can use to check in with themselves um, to be able to figure things out, get rid of energy, protect themselves, etc. Can you give us some examples of, of a tool or two that you give people the help with that? Yeah. So the biggest thing, and, and this one was actually kind of new for me. Um, and I learned it, you know, from reading a, a book, which we can talk about later, but asking the question, is this mine? Mm -hmm. And listening to the response that either I, I hear or feel in my body. And again, I've been doing this for years. I know how to listen. I've learned to listen to the whispers. There are some people that can't hear anything until their body screams at them. So um, it's a tool, but I think all of us, like you said before, have some kind of intuition. And usually the first answer that pops into your head yes or no is, is the answer. It's when we start to overthink that we can get ourselves into trouble because we can think ourselves in circles for years. Um, so that would be like the first thing, is this mine? Check in. So how might that show up in your body? You might hear a yes or a no. A yes will always feel light, right? It will always feel like a sense of expansiveness in your body. A no feels heavy and contracting. So if you check in and say, is this mine? And things go, oh, they just feel like heavy and shut down and contracted and withdrawn. Then you know, oh my gosh, this isn't mine. That's when you need to hop back into your brain and figure out, okay, like who might this be? And think of the, the person. And when you get that person's name or image in your mind, and it's theirs, you will feel that energy lift, like that contraction will turn to expansion. Okay, so this belongs to Joe, All right? So now you know who it belongs to. Then the next step is, well, how do I get rid of it? Sometimes it looks pretty and there are really nice words to be able to do that. And other times, <laughs> other times, especially if like you're really in a state, it can just be not mine, not mine, not mine. Like I, re I release it and either send it back with consciousness or release it 
and ask that it be transmuted to harmless and just like breathe that energy out. Right. There are other times I've got like pretty words or a pretty little mantra, but for beginners, not mine, not mine, (laughs) not mine. I release, I disconnect and ask that it be transmuted to harmless and just breathe it out. You can breathe it out. Like imagine it's coming out the top of your head. You can imagine like you have roots going into the earth and you can breathe it down. Um, It doesn't have to look perfect. You don't even have to know whether you're getting, whether you're getting it right. There is no getting it right. It's really, it's the intention and really focusing your attention. Yes. Intention and attention on releasing that energy and then check back in with yourself. And if before you felt like a complete wackadoodle scale of zero to 10, how off are you feeling? It was a 10 and you check back in and it's a three. Well, that's significant. And then you know that that three is your stuff to work on. Mm-hmm. And that's when you would, you know, see another type of <clears throat> practitioner, some sort of mental health counselor, somebody that does EFT, um, things like that. Oh, I love Does that. Make that. Sense? Yeah, no, there's a couple things I want to go off that. So off of the actual tool, which I love that you, that you just shared with everyone. The first thing I want to say is a lot of that comes back to trusting yourself. And, and I think that's where a lot of people start to question. And, and I love that you said it doesn't have to be perfect. There is no perfect. There's no right or wrong. There's, you know, you're not getting it right. Like you said, you just need to do it with intention and focused mm-hmm. attention. So I think the key thing is for people to understand simple things really do work. Mm-hmm. And it's about having intention, making the choice and mindfully working with yourself, trusting yourself and working with the energy and, and being open to allowing the, your intuition to work and, and simple techniques like that are so effective. People often think it has to be something that's complicated, that takes a long time, you know, that, that, right. that there needs to be this huge investment and in it. it's just not true. It, it's just, it's not true. <laughs> I think, I think a lot of that comes from our adult brain getting involved. Yeah. Um, so we stop learning to trust ourselves as children because mm-hmm. something happened, some kind of trauma. And when I say trauma, it doesn't have to be big, hairy and scary. So my own experience, um, my husband and I were in counseling for EFT because we had stuff going on and I was being easily triggered left and right. You know, he had his own stuff. I had my own stuff. And as we're in the session, somehow I was brought back to a time when I was, uh, I was, I was little, I had to have been younger than six and my mother was taking um, either Chinese or Japanese cooking classes. I don't remember what it was. We were living in Queens, New York at the time. I was the only Caucasian kid, right? So everybody else was all these little Asian kids. And it was lunchtime. And I remember taking out a sandwich. And like, I never, I didn't remember this, but as I'm tapping with her, like all of this is flooding back. And I remember the looks on their faces when they saw my sandwich, which to them looked gross, 
or disgusting or what, whatever it was. Like it wasn't so much about what they said, right? It was the energy. So I didn't even realize mm. how energetically I sensitive was I was then. And something about that really landed on me that like, oh, well, if I'm meeting this and that's disgusting, then I must be disgusting or my choices are disgusting or I don't know how to make good choices, right? This is coming from what, a four or five-year-old brain. We're just trying to make sense of what's happening. Um, And those are the moments when we stop trusting ourselves and, you know, it could be something happened with a family member. Um, <laughs> you could have just done something that was considered naughty as a kid. And the adult response was over the top um, because of their own issues. And then as children, we internalize that. and We try to make sense out of that. And then we come up with these coping mechanisms where we shut things down or we become people pleasers or whatever, Right. All of that is trauma. All of that is trauma. Yeah. You don't have to be beaten um, or, or, or thrown in a closet or anything like that to be traumatized as, as a child. So where was I going with all of this? Yes. So it's like a layer cake, right? Something happens as a child. Something similar happens when you're a little older, something similar. And look at me using my hands when we're like <laughs> on an audio, uh, uh, just an auditory podcast, but it becomes this layer cake, right? So when I see adults, they're coming in with this like seven, 10, 15 layer cake where so much of their pain and suffering that's then become, you know, manifested in their body as physical pain where the doctors are telling them there's nothing wrong with you like your blood work is normal your scans are normal you should not be having this pain like you need to go on psych meds right this layer cake is built on this foundation of something that happened as a child and then that child is living in a groundhog's day loop so like when i work with people the biggest energy shift is when, you know, they realize, oh, okay, so the first time I felt this way, whatever their words were, was when I was five. Okay, what happened at five? They'll share a little story. Let your five-year-old know how old you are now. Let your five-year-old know what the year is. You know, let your, like, catch your five-year-old up because your five-year-old has been living in a Groundhog's Day loop trying to help you survive that moment over and over and over and over and over again. When we get that like awareness to the child, it's amazing how much the energy shifts. And then sometimes negotiation is involved, like asking for the child to like hand over that responsibility to the grown up. Um, So we, you know, do all different sorts of things on an energetic visualization level. And then, you know, the end result, it's not the same for everybody, but I always hear words like, I feel so much lighter. I feel so much clearer. I feel much more uh, free. I'm happier. My, I feel like I have less stress. I'm not snapping at my children, et cetera, so on and so forth. When we like literally break that Groundhog's Day loop. Does that make sense? No, it does. I mean, and I also think of that as 
when I'm working with people, I talk about it as integrating all those pieces that got fractured off from those traumas. Right. It's and like, like it's, it's soul loss. It's soul yes. loss. Like it's it's reintegration. Yep. Yeah. It's reintegration soul reintegration. Of those pieces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's like we have all these different experiences, like you're saying, and they, these small things can be profound in the way that we like the beautiful story that you shared. I mean, it was such a simple interaction that anybody standing in the room may not have even noticed, but the way, like you said, that it it impacted you was, was profound. And you've carried that around for many years until you had that release. And so Mm -hmm. it's about finding these fragments, these parts that have gotten, like you said, stuck in the groundhog day or some are somehow not integrated and bringing them back in so that we can function as integrated whole people. And that's, what's so hard because when you have all these pieces, people say to me, I feel like something's missing. And, and basically it boils down to your, you know, the person's missing, you're missing, you're missing, you're missing your integrated self. You know, you're, you're missing your connection to your spirit and to your soul, because so many pieces have been pulled in different directions that the person no longer feels integrated and they're functioning, um, not in, in, May, a lot of times they're functioning not even in their bodies. And that's why I, I love what you're doing because it talks about, you know, so much of what I do with people is to try and get them back in the body. And then what it, the other piece I wanted to say is you were talking about, you know, you get to a certain point and then maybe you need a different technique. And that's exactly what I was thinking. There's all these different layers and you can start wherever you're most comfortable, but at different times you may need to shift in different directions. You know, because somebody may not be ready to have the body worked on, or they may not be ready to do the talking piece, or they may not be. So it's about trying to, again, trust and know yourself enough to at least figure out where you want to, where you feel comfortable starting. But ultimately, you're responsible for yourself, no matter who guides you, whether it's you, me, or somebody else. You know what I mean? We're all responsible for our our choices, but it's about finding the way that's going to help us to reintegrate. And to get in touch with that inner wisdom, that divine essence inside, you know, and right, right. And, and, you know, with that, with the hands-on work that I do, and even, I also do remote healing work, um, right. Cause everything's energy anyway, often having another person's energy there with you. And then for me, monitoring what's going on in the body through my hands, because the body does not lie, Right. It remembers everything and it does not lie. So for instance, a lot of people, I have to start with working on their liver. Their liver is not moving. Their liver is holding anger. Their liver is holding all different sorts of emotions. And so as I have my hands on the liver, we can you know, start talking and I ask them to bring their awareness in and see what comes up for them, like what they're feeling. And some people can't, some people have a hard time tuning in because they're literally checked out. So it's hard for them to tune in. And others are like, oh yeah, I like, I can get a sense of what's going on. So for the people that are kind of checked out, we're having a hard time getting anything. We'll start with imagery and because the imagery is a little less scary than feelings, you know, So bring your awareness to this place in your body. Does it feel heavy or does it feel light? Oh, it feels heavy. Does it feel big or does it feel small? Oh my God, it's big. Well, how big is it? Compare it to something in life. 
it's it's like a basketball okay and then it does it have a color is it like the color of a basketball or is it a different color and we just sort of keep going with with the imagery until something about their language um and the way that they respond to the questions brings us back to what the emotion might be there and then they're like oh right so it gets their awareness we get them i get basically get them back in there a little indirectly in a way that feels safer than going right after feelings because we can chuck all sorts of feelings to our liver it's called the seed of the soul like in traditional chinese medicine anger is the um is the emotion associated with the liver but anything we can't mentally handle can get chucked down there and so it's often a stew of emotions that we couldn't cognitively process. And so, you know, freeing that up, freeing up the diaphragm so people can breathe again. So many people didn't even realize they weren't able to fully and freely breathe, right? So all of these things are peeling away layers to make people more comfortable in their body, which then you know, hopefully will allow them to start coming back in and feeling a little bit more. And for the the feelers, the big feelers, then they really feel like the shift, like, oh, I can breathe again. And I felt that release into my pelvis, or I felt that release up into my head. And now I can think more clearly. Um, You know, it varies for everybody. Um, But just freeing that energy up um, is a huge first step in, in terms of anybody's healing process. Yeah, it is. That's amazing. Now I'm just thinking as you're saying that with the people that you're describing that are, you know, the empathic, highly sensitive people, once you help to move, start to have movement again in the body and they're reconnected to their body and they're feeling, and they're feeling very strongly again, Mm -hmm. how do you help them to keep things moving or suggest that they, what they do afterwards to keep things moving. So they don't shut down again because they don't know how to tolerate. Yeah. So that, that's a process. It took me years to sort of cultivate my own ability to, um, stay grounded and to feel like I'm in a peaceful place. And there are times I still get hijacked. You know, sometimes the world is chaotic and doesn't matter what I do, things come in. Um, I have tools now to go, oh, I know that that's not mine. Like previously I could be carrying things around for weeks or months before realizing, oh my goodness, this doesn't belong to me. So simple tool, because so many people have seen Harry Potter. I know (laughs) many people have not seen Harry Potter. And this was shared with me by, um, well, I, I tweaked it with the Harry Potter bit, uh, but it was shared with me by uh, intuitive that I had worked with. She said, put yourself in a bubble. Okay. People are always like, oh, a bubble of white, a bubble of gold, a bubble of pink. She's like, no, put yourself in a black bubble. I'm like a black bubble. She's like, yeah, because with the black bubble for those people who are like really sensitive and there's a lot going on. She's like, it makes it like, um, you're invisible. I'm like, oh, so then I envisioned like Harry Potter's invisibility cloak (laughs) and he is, when he is under there, he can see everything. 
right? He knows exactly what's going on, but nobody can see him, right? So mm-hmm. he, has a, he has this shield of protection around him that makes him invisible to the dark forces, right? Or other people's, other people's energy. And um, that was really helpful. So like, I would start with that. I think that would be one of the easiest things to do. And again, just imagine, just pretend that you're in this shimmering, you know, the, the outside is black, but the inside is, is shimmering, right? Um, there were other times where I needed like a second layer underneath that. And I would fill it like with a pink mist almost because pink is the heart color Mm -hmm. right um so yeah doing bubbles uh around ourselves and one other really important thing is um it's the full the full versus empty cup analogy if we are not nourishing and nurturing and filling ourselves energetically or even doing things that makes us happy and brings us joy then we are out in the world in a half full cup. Mm-hmm. When the cup is half full, other things can jump in. People can throw in their cigarette butts, ice cubes, lemons, like, you know, totally different beverage, right? Whatever they want to throw into your cup. But if your cup is full and you try to pour more water in, it overflows. So grounding is a really important thing to do for everybody. And especially if you're energetically sensitive, um, standing with your feet on the earth, if you can, if you're in a climate that allows that, um, in the sun, right. And just breathing that energy in, like allow the energy to come up from the earth and fill your body and see it fountaining out the top of your head. If it's cold and icy where you are, I'm sorry, I relocated. So I didn't have to deal with that anymore. (laughs) Um, you can still put your feet on the floor in your home and visualize roots going down into the earth. And again, pretend, play with it, feel into it. So I am not hugely visual, right? It's more of a sensation for me. And I kind of imagine my roots going into the earth. It's, it's the feeling of roots. And then I imagine that I'm pulling energy up for what, and I ask, like, pull up energy for whatever feels nourishing and nurturing for my body. It may be all the same. It may be different in one leg from the other. It could feel warm. It could feel cool. It could feel hot. It could feel wet like water. It could feel like mist. It's different for everybody. So again, there is no right. There is no wrong what feels right for you. It might feel different in your lower legs and in your thighs. It's okay. Go with it. Your body knows. Let your mind just guide you and then just keep saying, breathing the energy in. You're going to breathe it up through the bones and then you're going to breathe it out to the skin, right? And you just keep filling, 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 filling until you imagine that it's fountaining out the top of your head. And here you are, you are now a full container. So you can give to your friends and family from an overflow. If you're an empath and people are always, you know, asking you for things or telling you things, you can listen from a place of fullness instead of getting depleted. 
Um, so those would be the two tools that, that, that I use and that I encourage other people to use to um, help themselves. Yeah, I love both of those, Hillary. Thank you. I think the other thing I just wanted to add to the last thing you said is it's so important when, because human beings, you know, we're social creatures, we love to connect to other people, but it's important for us to understand, especially when we're empathic, that we can be unconditionally loving and connecting to someone, but we really not wanting to connect our energy. We want to be in a neutral place. You know, we want to listen, like you're saying, we want to listen, but we want to be neutral. We don't want to invest ourselves or connect our energy in. We want to stay in our own bubble, so to speak, and listen and stay in our space, in our full cup and respond from there. Because so often when people are compassionate and empathic, they sort of drop their bubble, connect personally into the situation And that's when you're talking about things like you're talking about where you end up being drained because you haven't kept your boundary. You haven't kept your neutrality. And then even though you're well-intentioned, you've, you've lost uh, some of, some of the, some of yourself because you put yourself into it. You actually used yourself rather than the vibration of, of unconditional love or, you know, being connected as an, as a, neutral person. So it's a little different. Right. Yeah. And you know what? And sometimes there are days you wake up late, you're rushing around, like <laughs> you don't take the time for any mindfulness, right. Yeah. To, to get, to get yourself in your bubble or to ground or whatever, like it happens, right. We're, we're human beings in the, in those moments where you feel like you've interacted with someone and maybe, right. You feel a little heavy. Okay. Like clear sign that it's not yours. As a practitioner, when I'm working with somebody, I say these words out loud. I say, let's pretend we're we're doing this. I would say, you know, I release and disconnect from Kim. Kim, please ask your high self to release and disconnect from me. And I feel that energetic break, that separation. We can't always say that to people in, you know, real life. So it goes on here in your mind where you can say, I release and disconnect from Kim. Kim's high self, please release and disconnect from me. And then sometimes I like to use my hands and sort of like make a sweeping motion like over my heart and my belly to break the energy. And um, the first time I became aware of all of that, I had seen my chiropractor a number of years ago. She had a lot of stuff going on. And like, this is what people do with me. They just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk like they're right. I didn't know how much of an empath I was back then. She felt better. I went for a walk later. I felt horrible. I felt like I was carrying like a monkey wearing a backpack on my back. And then I, I was like, oh my God, what is this? And that's when I realized it wasn't mine, that it was the doctor's. And, you know, when we had a friendly-ish relationship, so I called the office, spoke to her office manager who knew all about energy. I'm like... I need you to tell the doctor to like release and disconnect from me because like, she's still holding on. Like, right. Cause when you're an empath, people are like, Oh, like even unconsciously, if they're not talking, you could be walking by them. Right. Cause you've got like energy vampires that suck energy from you. And then you have other people unconsciously going, Oh, look, there's the garbage dump. Boop. Let's just like plop my stuff that I don't want to carry over. 
So she's like, okay, she's with the patient. I'll tell her as soon as she's done. And about like eight minutes later, all of a sudden the backpack that I was, that heaviness disappeared. And I felt light again. Where am I going with all of this? Yeah. So there are like, sometimes we're unconscious about it. Sometimes we just don't have the time, but if you notice, like if you've been on the phone with somebody or whatever, and you step away and you're kind of feeling off, just say it in your mind or say it out loud. If you're by yourself somewhere, you know, release and disconnect and ask for their high self. That's a part of them that knows everything that's going on with them physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, right. That's connected with God source energy. That part of them will know to let go. It will hear you and it will let go and break that energy connaction. I love that. Does that make sense? Yeah, no. And I love that. And I think, you know, what I'm, what I'm sensing as you're talking is just everything you've been talking about today. It's really about, it's really inspiring the sense of it. It just is a great reminder of how powerful we are really, Mm. you know, it, when I hear you talk about all these stories, it's just a reminder of how we really are that powerful as long as we're mindful. Mm-hmm. You know, and that we stand in our power and we stand in the fact that we have all these abilities, but we need to, be, we need to take responsibility to use them. You know, like all these practices that you've been talking about. And, and it really starts, I think, with the awareness, the awareness of the fact that we're energy beings, the awareness of the fact that you were talking about earlier, which is a fact that our emotions and other things, they're stored in the body. The body is absolutely brilliant. And like you said, it doesn't ever forget anything and it doesn't lie. And so if something's going on with your body, you, you can pretend all you want, but you're not going to trick your, you're not going to trick your body. Now our bodies will, you know, not be tricked, but our mind can push our body to do things that, you know, are not necessarily healthy for us, but you're still not going to get away with it in the long run. (laughs) No. And our body likes to speak to us in whispers. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. want us to be in pain and we can ignore it. And I've ignored it. Like I freaking know better. And I've had things happen where I've ignored and ignored and ignored. And then my body was like, oh yeah, well take this woman, you know, and like my back would go out from like bending over to pick up something like, like a pencil or a piece of paper or to pet the dog. I'm like, how did that happen? I didn't do anything. It's like, (laughs) sure you did. You ignored me for weeks. It's a compensation cascade. Like I tried to tell you when it was just a little bit of a problem, you know, as women and as, as mothers, like you and I, you know, we can tend to push ourselves and ignore things while we're taking care of our children when they're younger, you know, with, with older ones, we have, we have less, less children distraction. And, you know, sometimes we can still be distracted and ignore things because our, our to-do lists are very, you know, busy and very full. Our body doesn't want to scream at us. Um, but it so, will, if it has to, <laughs> but it will, if it has to, and, you know, pain <clears throat> is the way that the body communicates that something is not right. Yeah something is not right. And, you know, by all means, like rule things out, make sure that it's nothing big, hairy, hairy, and scary. Um, and if the doctor's like, I don't know, everything looks normal. I'm willing to bet you dollars to donuts. You got a big chunk of emotional garbage sitting in that area. That's causing the pain. And when the body compensates around, then you also wind up with 
tensional patterns in the body. And if you've ever had any surgeries, you know, if you've ever had any injuries, the body remembers every injury, every surgery, scar tissue, even if it's, you know, if you have laparoscopic stuff done, that spreads, it literally creates these like pulls in the body. People are like, yeah, well, I'm having trouble with my, with my left shoulder. I'm like, yeah, it's coming from your right hip. They're like, what? I'm like, I feel the connection, your left shoulder to your right hip, the connective tissue, this web that like makes us who we are, that makes us able to move. That's part of our sensory nervous system has, you know, it's like, like, it's like an anchor. It's like a, a, a pull. It's like a dried out spider web that's starting to look like rawhide and it doesn't matter where you're feeling it that's the part of your body that's in pain that's um that's the victim not the perpetrator like it could be coming from from someplace else so when i work with people they may tell me where they're feeling things but i scan i scan the whole body and i'm listening i'm receiving information from their body and their body tells me start here then go to this next spot, then go to next, this next spot. It helps me peel away the layers and un, unwind whatever's going on. No. And that's so, so important. And the other thing is, you know, a lot of times we know that there's an emotional component to illness and pain and, and any kind of message coming from the body. So if you just cut it out, remove it, and, and you treat things that way, you may not be getting the underlying issue, which is something else that's not been addressed. And it's just going to manifest in a different way. Right. And you know, what's crazy, even after organs have been removed, there is still the energetic signature of that organ there. And it's still supposed to have what we call motility, which is the energetic motion of the organ. So even if you don't have your gallbladder or you don't have your kidney or part of your liver was removed or part of your lung, energetically, that motion should, uh, should still be there, but sometimes it's not. So again, with the work that I do, I can help remind the body of that energy motion. So the body still functions or a little more efficiently, clearly not the same without that vital organ, but the, um, the energetic vacancy gets filled. So there's more of a sense of wholeness and completeness that I've worked with people that have lost organs and the body grieves that, that missing piece. Like it knows that something's not there, yeah. which is, you know, which is fascinating. Well, yeah. And then, you know, I'm sure that you've heard of when people have tran organ transplants, that the memories that the organ has go along yes. with it and the other person yes. consciously becomes aware of some of the food preferences or memories. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. So I had done a dissection, like an actual human dissection of an unfit aver. Um, I was like maybe two years ago, September. I don't know. Like I've lost, lost all track of space and time since 2020, but I held a heart in my hands. And as the empath intuitive, I was able to feel some of what that heart was holding, right? I held the lungs in my hands. Wow. Um, 
So even though the person was deceased and clearly the soul was, you know, departed from the body, um, cause I didn't feel any of that at all. There was still energy signatures in, you know, in those, um, in those organs, which was really fascinating. Yeah, it is. We are so much more than most of us realized. I think than probably all of us realized. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we have talked about so many things at this point. What I'd like to do is head over to the sparks of wisdom and sort of give people some key points for us to, for them to think about, to take away from our talk today. Sparks of wisdom, oh, 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 sparks of wisdom, oh, 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 oh. Okay, Hillary, please share with us your sparks of wisdom for today. Absolutely, Kim. Um, so I would say the number one spark of wisdom is to fill your cup, um, do things for yourself where uh, you're doing things that are bringing you joy and filling you um, energetically and also practice that tool that I mentioned with bringing energy into your body so that you can give from an overflow instead of from a place of depletion. The second one, which you know is something that's been a, a lifelong learning for me, is that you know, we, I, you are not responsible for taking on other people's pain and suffering. Um, it might feel like it, but we're not responsible for them. They are responsible for themselves and their own healing. So if you notice that you're taking on things from other people, then make sure you release and disconnect from it, um, transmute it to harmless or send it back with love, light and consciousness so they can get the learning that they need from whatever the struggle is that they're going through but we don't have to as as empaths and highly sensitive people we do not have to take that on as our own it's not our job we can just be the lighthouse and light the way and point them in the direction that um, would be beneficial for them to go with other uh, resources Beautifully said. Thank you. Well, thank you, Hillary, for coming on the show today. And before we depart, I want you to let people know what your services are and how they can get a hold of you. Sure. So um, I'm based in Savannah, Georgia, where I do see people for hands on body work sessions where I help them free themselves from physical and emotional pain. And I use the some of the various techniques that I talked about today. Um, and to get in contact with me, my website is awakening the number fullness.com. Kim will have that like listed. So you don't have to spell that out or I don't have to spell that out. And I also do remote healing work where we would connect phone. So either way, you can reach me via my website. Um, there is a contact Hillary page and you can send me an email and I will get back to you and we can schedule something. Excellent. Thank you so uh, much. And I also have a Facebook page. 
I also have a Facebook page. Sorry. It's Awakening Wellness Healing Services. I don't post a lot there, but I do post on occasion. So you can follow me there as well. And that'll all be in the show notes so people can click directly to find you and to work with you um, or ask you questions, et cetera. So as we said at the start of the show, you're a very gifted and intuitive healer. So thank you for sharing your insights and your time with us today. Very much appreciate it. My pleasure. I'm delighted. (laughs) And so for those of you listening, thank you as always for listening. Much gratitude for you tuning in. And my prayer is always that you receive whatever you need to hear from this broadcast today. And as always, be you, be love, and be present.